0: What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. What's up, BLG? Stats,
1: we're here. NFL season is two days away from we're recording this. Stats is... Piss pumping. Uh, listeners can't see that cuz this is an audio medium. Now he's even doing it even more. Uh, but I am able to see him <laughs> on video. So, it's an exciting time set. We're we are back to the true nature of the podcast And we debuted around this
0: time last year with our NFL power rankings and we're back. And it is the only 100% accurate power rankings in all of NFL podcast fandom. You can always check them out on bleedinggreennation.com. BLG has been in the lab for, you know, days. I don't know. He, he hasn't shaved. He's just drinking coffee. Like, it's a process for you. I don't even drink coffee
1: a lot, Stats. So, you know, if I'm breaking it out, uh, it's for something really important. And obviously, there is a very proprietary metric to this that we can't discuss here on the podcast. But uh, whatever it is that we do have that I can't reveal, it leads to these fully accurate rankings that people, I mean, look, you're welcome to argue with them because we like the feedback in terms of like, please do add us, not don't add us. Please do add us on Twitter uh, at Brandon. Out at stats on fire. If you disagree, we, we want to hear the feedback, but th- at the end of the day, they are what they are.
0: Look, you can, you can provide feedback, but you'd be wrong. That's just the simple right. fact of the matter. If you're new to the off day debrief, we do power rankings every single week. Uh, we're going to do a, some awards on this show since it's the first show of the year and we're sort of kicking off the season but let's get into it man I'm excited like it's it's a, just a regular game week it always feels different cuz it's week 1 but we're going to do this you know 20 some odd times here as we move through the fall so let's get into it uh let me give the top 10 for people that aren't going on bleedinggreennation.com you're just listening you're driving whatever number 1 Tampa Bay Buccaneers not surprising number 2 Chiefs 3 Packers, 4 Bills, 5 Chargers, 6 Seahawks, 7 Browns, 8 Rams, Ravens 9, and Titans at 10. And let's start with the champs at number one, BLG. I I know why they're there and I can't argue with it, but I don't think they're going to be there at the end of the year, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any given season for the most part unless it's like some weird season or kind of maybe like you know the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning and then he retires and then he leaves I think in general the Super Bowl champs just should be I mean you, you've earned that at the very yeah. least you've earned the, you know the top spot going into the year again you might not retain that for very long but the Bucks have earned that for now I do agree that it's, it's, it's really overrated that we hear like oh they're returning 22 starters and all these players I'm like okay so what the NFL is a different league each year it's not about just like keeping things the same that always doesn't like translate into success. I think they're going to be a playoff team obviously. Tom Brady kind of decent. Um so they'll they'll still be a good team. But like is everything going to go as favorably as it did for them last year in terms of they were the healthiest team by Football Outsiders adjusted games loss metric? No. Are they going to have this really what I think was a fortunate path to the playoffs last year? Like they didn't have to play any true juggernauts and they weren't playing in true NFL like road playoff environments. So I just don't think the path for them will be as easy as it was last year. And that's fine. I think they're still going to be a good team that has a good season. But like this idea, like they're going to run away with the season and just repeat as champs automatically i mean come on
0: i mean let's not forget it's not exactly like they were steamrolling teams on their way through the playoffs right i mean they played washington and they were not blowing out washington and who was their quarterback tyler henneke like what then they were playing taylor henneke you didn't even say his name right there you go exactly this he was so good that they got ryan fitzpatrick this year Then they get the Saints game, and I think the Saints were in control of that game. They were up seven, driving for more, and Jared Cook fumbles, and that kind of turned that whole game. And then against the Packers, Brady threw three second-half interceptions and got bailed out by his defense. Not saying that the, the defense obviously deserves credit for that, but it's not like they were this super team, and you pointed it out. The old saying is in the NFL, you're either getting better or you're getting worse, but you never stay the same. And it seems like all the Bucs have done this season is try to stay the same. So either one of the oldest sayings in the NFL is bogus or the Bucs are going to be worse this year. One of those two things has to be true. It has to happen. And we'll find out. I'm not as high on the Bucs. I think this whole narrative that like, oh, Halfway through the year, Brady figured out the system. So now their offense is going to be really good. Like Brady had a great year last year. We think he's going to be better than that. I I don't know. I'm just not feeling it.
1: I'm not either. I think, again, this isn't going to say they're not. going I think they're pretty comfortably going to make the playoffs. I think they are one of the top seven teams in the NFC. I feel like that. Yes, for sure. I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance they win the NFC South because who else do you really feel amazing about in that division? Everyone else in my power rankings here in the NFC South is significantly lower. Like the Saints with Jameis, your guy, Stats, who I brought out the Stout to you that I'm sure you will love as someone nicknamed Stats. 138 combined fumbles and interceptions in 76 games. Like Jameis Winston's really going to get the Saints over the top? I don't think so. The Panthers, they're not doing anything with Sam Darnold. Uh, And then what are the Falcons? I don't know. I don't think they're anything amazing or special. Uh, So, yeah, I think the Bucs are going to win the division. Comfortably, potentially even, but they're not like they're not guaranteed to go on. This. Can they win the Super Bowl again? Stats, that's yes, they can. It is possible, yes. but it should not be like the likely
0: favored outcome. I completely agree with you. By the way, the Saints are at 21 in your power rankings. They are the highest NFC South team other than the Buccaneers Saints at 21 Falcons at 23 and Panthers at 26. Let's get into the Saints a little bit here since you mentioned them. Look, if Sean Payton can do with Jameis Winston what no other coach has been able to do, which is get him to stop putting the football in harm's way and giving it to the other team, he deserves to be coach of the year because nobody has been able to do this. And I want to know what will have changed. What is he going to do differently that these other coaches did not do with Jameis? I just, I can't see it working. And that's my biggest problem with the Saints. I think their roster is actually pretty good But it doesn't matter how good your roster is if your quarterback's giving the ball to the other team.
1: I mean, I think, you know, Sean Payton obviously deserves the benefit of the doubt to an extent. I think the Saints floor is not like bottom five level just because, again, he's going to get some of the most out of his players. And obviously the talent there, they have enough where they're not going to be this total disaster. But I think, you know, you're looking at kind of like six win, seven win kind of team at the floor at least, or even maybe likely outcome Uh, with Jameis Winston stats. Like what is the precedent for a quarterback who was a turnover machine and then they stopped being that? Like, has there been any quarterback that we can think of that has been like that? I mean, like maybe you want to say Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I feel like he still has issues with that. But it's just that he has high highs that you can kind of live with it. I mean, it's kind of weird because obviously Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick were teammates. Once upon a time, maybe he picked that up from him. And I think maybe he's like the new version of that. Um, but that's not a guy that, you know, you know you're seriously making uh, great headway with. And I just think it's crazy that Sean Payton, again, he deserves some benefit of the doubt, but not so much so that he goes into the season with James Winston and Taysom Hill as his top two quarterbacks. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. That's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and say Sean Payton is a bad coach if Jameis Winston continues turning the football over. I mean, it's not Sean Payton's fault. Like, that's who Jameis is. And I agree. Like, if if he was going to make that change, he would have made it already. Like, Peyton Manning came into the league as a rookie and threw 25 interceptions. That's still the rookie record, by the way, which Peyton hates. But the next year, he figured it out and threw way less. Like... The change would have occurred for Jameis if it was going to. So I don't think it's going to. That's why I agree with your ranking on the Saints. They should be down in the lower part of the league. Uh, Number two on your power rankings, Kansas City Chiefs, as we said, you know, people love to talk about regression for players. Like we've mentioned it with Josh Allen a lot, how we don't think he's necessarily going to be as good as last year. I think there's regression for teams as well. And the Chiefs have been awesome. In recent history, are they going to make another AFC championship game and possibly a third straight Super Bowl like that's really, really hard to do. And so even though I love Mahomes, and I think he's going to be really, really good. I don't see the Chiefs being in the AFC championship again this year, though I do think in terms of the power rankings, number two team, that is fair. I've been using these terms a lot already
1: and i use them a lot in my rankings as well i'm interested in talking about especially at this time of year you know ceilings and floors and i think obviously the chiefs floor is very very high like <laughs> you don't do what andy Reid and patrick mahomes have done and then all of a sudden go like you know let's say eight and nine this year like that's not going to happen they're no. they're a lock for a, they're going to make the playoffs i'm very confident the kansas city chiefs you know barring some like crazy unforeseen disaster will be in the playoffs but again yeah are they super bowl favorites because a lot of people seem to be like everyone I'm listening to in terms of like the different podcasts I listen to or the different articles I read it's like oh Chiefs are gonna win the Super Bowl they're gonna be back in it and they're gonna win it the offensive line I mean Pete Sweeney obviously gave a big thing and NRJ. RJ they had a good conversation on the Chiefs on Monday but obviously not as good as our conversation stats and not. some things I wanted to bring up to contextualize that conversation more um, look I know they're 44 and 10 together that's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes including the playoffs but I just don't even think they should be considered locks to win the AFC West. Uh, this eight. is a team, stats, that was not as dominant as their record indicated last year. They were 6th in DVOA, football outsiders metric. They were 10th, if you look at pro football focuses, like overall grading. They were 6th in point differential, and they had a 9-1 in one record in one-score games. When you look at those teams, historically, that like do really well in those one-score games, let's say one year, they usually do not as well the next year. Or, you know, a lot of times the opposite is true. A lot of teams maybe kind of got unlucky in those one score games. They bounce back the next year. And like, I get all this talk about the Chiefs offensive line being revamped and everything. But like, what is one of the most important things about an offensive line? continuity. It's continuity. Yeah, it's gelling together. And I think and there's some rookies on there. So I I don't think that's I think some people are like, well, the offensive line is better now and they're all ready to go. And that was the only weakness. And the Chiefs are just going to cruise to another Super Bowl title. I don't think that's the case. I think this is a team that could take a little bit of a step back. I don't think they're a guarantee to win the division, let alone lock up the number one seed.
0: I agree with you. And by the way, just the fact that they were in 10 one score games last season just shows, you know, they weren't, you know, steamrolling people. Although I do think right now I say pretty comfortably, I think that you have to assume that they are the class of the AFC going into week one. Is that fair? Yeah, they're at the top
1: right now when you're looking at the projection. But it's the same thing we said of the Bucs. Like the Chiefs have earned that top spot going into the yes. season. But how long do you hold that? That doesn't necessarily can be gone as soon as after week one. If they come
0: out somehow and they lose to the Browns, let's say. Here's where I start to take issue with your rankings. <laughs> and I want you to justify this to me. You have the Packers at number three. Mm-hmm. I just think that when your quarterback has one foot out the door, I just can't put you at number three as the third best team in the league. Where are the Packers better than last year?
1: Well, I will flip this around and ask you, who is the better representative in the NFC as the number one seed, at least in these power rankings, going into the season? Who would you rather have at the top of the NFC here?
0: As much as I hate to do this, I got to put the Rams there, man. (sighs) The Rams win 10-plus games a year every year with a tomato can at quarterback in Jared Goff. Nobody denies they got better at quarterback this offseason. They had the number one defense in the league last year. How are they not
1: deserving of that spot? So I know we're talking about the Packers here in theory, but now you got me on the Rams stats and I need to get into them for a second because I agree. No one, no one disagrees. No one in the entire world disagrees that Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. We all agree about that, but I think it kind of gets carried away because it's like, how much better is Matt Stafford? I know he was in Detroit and that's not exactly an environment for people, let alone quarterbacks to flourish, but Stats, when you look at the bottom line here, I mean, Matt Stafford is 74 and 90 as a starter with not a lot of playoff success to boast, obviously. And he has a career 89.9 pass rating. Like, this is the guy that is like definitively like, oh, yeah, he's the the Rams are unstoppable now. They're the number one team. They're they're just going to be so great. I know everyone likes Sean McVay. And I think he raises the Rams floor unquestionably, even though his game management sucks. He's <laughs> a coward. Um, <laughs> But, but I also think like, their defense is going to take a step back. Like, I think losing Brandon Staley is a big loss. He deserved a lot of credit for their success there. And then as we talk about like basically every podcast where we talk about a good defense, it's just not as sustainable year over year. Like It's going to take a little bit of a step back, especially because they lost some players too, like John Johnson, just for example. So uh, I think the Rams deserve to be in that conversation for the number one spot, but I don't think they are like head and shoulders above The Packers, when the Packers have a better quarterback, and I agree with you stats that the Packers uh, have bad vibes or some questionable vibes with the whole Rodgers thing. And I put in my rankings that there's a tough stretch starting in November where they play at Kansas City versus the Seahawks, at Minnesota, versus the Rams, versus Chicago, which should be easier, at the Ravens, and then versus the Browns. Like That's a tough stretch. And I wonder... I think the Packers are like the Mike Tyson kind of team where like you go in, you have a plan, everything is fine as long as things are rolling. But as soon as they do get punched in the face, that's when I wonder how things go for them.
0: I totally agree. Like if you've already got one foot out the door, which clearly Rogers does, are you going to, you know, buckle down when adversity hits? Are you going to be like, you know what? This isn't happening for me this year. Let me just get through this year, keep my body healthy. And then next year, When he thinks he can get out of town and and pick his team, you know, that's when things will really line up for me. I I just feel like that's more likely. Hell, we saw already with Tom Brady, right? If The most mentally tough quarterback in the league couldn't get it done when he had one foot out the door with New England. We think Aaron Rodgers is going to do that. I just don't see it. Uh, I would put the Rams up there in that number three spot, by the way. You have the Rams eighth in your power rankings. Though I do agree that Sean McVay is very, very conservative, and that might hurt them. But I just, like, what does Stafford do wrong? I he Okay, you're giving me quarterback wins, which is frustrating, because my team is quarterbacked by a guy that wins a lot of games when he's in there, and I don't think he's any good. But what does Stafford do so badly that you think he's not going to succeed with the Rams? It's not like he throws a ton of picks, because he doesn't. Those baseline numbers kind of matter. It's a big sample size. I'm not saying it's the everything.
1: And I think Stafford in general is a little bit better or at least somewhat better than those numbers indicate. I agree. But like, you can't tell me that's an elite quarterback. You just can't, you can't have those numbers that are that bad and tell me this is like a top three, top five kind of guy. It's just not like, if you're a special talent, And I kind of this maybe if we touch on Tim Darnold at some point, it's a different kind of conversation. But the point is, like, even if you're in a bad situation, if you are a special talent, you will flash that you will show that there'll be signs there like, wow, this guy is like really, really good, despite everything that's going on around him. And I just don't think we ever when did. Matt Stafford ever like really like superiorly like elevate a team to something special in Detroit. He never did like he made them. He he helped them. I'm not like saying he's a horrible player, but like, I don't think he is this total needle mover and that the Rams are the unquestioned new power, especially above Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. And the last thing I wanted to say about the Packers uh, here stats is make a really bad joke and say that, are you suggesting that Aaron Rodgers is discount double checked out?
0: Wow. I thought you were going to go packing it in. You went discount. That's not bad. And yes, I am. I'm totally suggesting that, by the <laughs> way. And like, do you have confidence in Matt LaFleur that he can sort of like, we don't know what his management kind of style is. Can he write that ship if Rogers kind of starts to pack it in and things kind of go bad? Like, I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying we just don't know.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly the thing. That's exactly my point with that. I'm not saying like because they have that tough stretch they'll definitely falter. I'm saying like that's the stretch where I think we find out who the Packers this year really are. It's like okay, it's easy to be good. Uh, When things, everything's going good. When adversity hits, that's the true measure, I think, of the quality of a team. We've seen that time and time again. How does a team, how does a coach, how does a quarterback and everything respond to adversity? And I think that's when adversity might hit for them. So that's what we're going to have to measure. And with LaFleur, he hasn't had to be tested there yet. And that's a credit to him because he's been really, obviously, he's done a good job. But like, there's there's always going to be adversity like you're never not at least in your tenure as a head coach. There's never going to be a point like where there isn't adversity. So that that like that box has yet to be checked in terms of him being able to handle that. We don't know.
0: Speaking of quarterbacks with one foot out the door. Let's go to the Seahawks now. You have them at number six. I, The same thing applies to me. I, like Russ does not want to be there. I still think I think this is his final year in Seattle, although I will say the big difference is. Pete Carroll can handle adversity. He had to deal with Richard Sherman and a bunch of, and Marshawn Lynch, like a bunch of crazy people in that locker room, and he did it for years, and they had success, and he had to deal with after the Super Bowl, a lot of the guys on that team resented Russell Wilson when they lost to the Patriots, and I thought Pete, you know, handled that. The Seahawks were still really, really good teams, so I think Pete can handle craziness better than LaFleur can, but I still think that Russ has got a foot out the door. I hate the Seahawks defense and I don't know where they're better than last year either. So six seems a little high to me for Seattle,
1: but it's Russell Wilson's stats. And this is like basically going back to week one of last year. when we had the same conversation, like look at his nine year career. When have they lost more or I'll phrase it this way. When have they not had a double digit win season in one yeah. season? And it was nine wins. It was one win away from 10. Like that's that that is absolutely relevant to me when we talk about floor, like the floor for the Seahawks is high. They are going to be, I believe, a team at the very least that has a winning record, even if they're not amazing and a juggernaut, they're going to be like a good team, if not a great team. And that's why I just have a confidence in them because of that. And Russ is good. And and maybe they're not special. And that's why I don't have them higher in the top five. And maybe they're not a true contender because of the flaws that exist there between Pete Carroll's antiquated desire to run the ball <laughs> and, and all of that. But like at the end of the day, like Russell Wilson is going to be in the MVP conversation or at least like going into the season, you can say that he like is a player in that conversation. And that, to me, gives them some
0: credibility. It's just I wonder how long can Russell – Keep essentially, you know, like you said, having to run this ridiculous game plan for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, when Pete Carroll says, oh, crap, we might lose. okay, Russ, put the team on your back and go save us. Like, how many times can he keep? It's like he has to overcome his own team at certain points. And Russ is great. But like, that's a lot to ask of any quarterback. I just think they're being kind of forgotten
1: about a little bit. I think there's been like more hype about the 49ers, the Cardinals even, which I think is yeah, not that's justified crazy. really at all. And like, I think like, look, the Seahawks, I, they said it on Monday football money, but the Seahawks won the division last year. And I feel like we don't talk about them in the same way that we talk about other division winners and give them the benefit of the doubt. Like it's all of a sudden, like the Rams automatically are just going to win the division this year because they got Matt Stafford. Like Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. What are we talking about?
0: Yes, that's true. Do you think the weird NFC West triumvirate will hold up where the 49ers always beat the Rams, the Rams always beat the Seahawks, and the Seahawks always beat the 49ers? No, I
1: think it's going to be different this year. And I think it's it's a weird division. And obviously, because it's a good division. And I think the Cardinals are going to be the worst of them all. I do feel good about that part.
0: I totally agree with you. By the way, speaking of my 49ers, you have them at number 11, which I thought was high because I feel like whenever they come up, you're Mm-mm. always ripping the 49ers. I thought you'd have them lower.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's all relative stats. I mean, you're just assuming they're going to win a Super Bowl over here. Uh, no questions asked. But uh, you've, you've backed off about that a little bit just because of the the, the whole two quarterback Potentially, a system that they're going to run there. I just think too many people are assuming. As someone, I I go back to what I saw with the Eagles stats. I remember, you know, the Eagles, they went to the Super Bowl. They won, obviously, unlike the 49ers in their past two trips. uh, And just had to get that in there. Yeah, thanks. And and, uh, everyone just thought, like, oh, the Eagles are going to be back in 2019 with Carson Wentz, you know, healthier now, not coming off the ACL injury and everything. And guess what? They weren't. And now I'm not saying it's the same thing. It's a little bit of a different dynamic, but I just, I think the NFL changes so quick that you can't just assume that, okay, we had this off year. Now we're going to get back to how it was a couple of years ago. I just don't think it's that simple. And I think, especially with the question marks, they have a quarterback, like you don't like Jimmy G and it seems like he's going to be playing. It seems like, like, I don't know how much, I don't know how much of this is going to be a true rotation, or it's just going to be a largely his job with Trey Lance coming in here and there. But like, you can't possibly feel good about that after ripping him all offseason.
0: No, I, I look, I've been out on Jimmy G. I've 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 seen enough of that movie to know that it's not good enough. My thinking of why the 49ers would be in contention for a Super Bowl is because, number one, health. They can't possibly be as injured as they were last year. And I say that knowing full well that I could, you know, bring down the wrath of the thing from high atop to whatever on top of my team. But they can't possibly be as injured as they were last year. I wanted them to go with Lance from day one because I thought that quarterback play would actually improve, and that's obviously a big, you know, you're talking about. Well, you can't just get back to where you were. I'm saying that they would have better quarterback play and health, and and their schedule, BLG, is so much easier this year. They're playing a last place schedule. I thought, for, I think for sure, if they're not injured, even with Jimmy G, they're making the playoff. They're one of the top seven teams in the NFC to me for sure. And I thought if they would go with Lance right out of the gate, by the time the playoffs came around, he would be rounded into form. You know, humble brag again. I talked to Matt Ryan last week. He told me when he played his rookie year, he said I was such a better player by the end of that, even that rookie season than I was at the start of it. I really, you know, he was night and day different. He said he was screwing up the play calls in the huddle when he first started in the first week even though he threw a touchdown pass, his first ever pass. But like, so that's why that was my thinking was that, yeah, you got a rookie quarterback, but he's not really a rookie by the end of this season. Um, But if they go with Jimmy G or do this stupid quarterback shuffle thing, that throws everything up and up for grabs.
1: So the first sentence I wrote about the 49ers to be clear here, for those who didn't read is that I'm not entirely sure what to make of this team. To be honest, there's a number of teams in here where I just don't like, no, I think they can kind of go either way. I think the 49ers, are about that so that's why i have them uh well i should have probably had them a little bit lower to be honest i think knowing you stats i kind of gave them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because i'm like maybe i'm being too hard on them maybe i'm over <laughs> overcorrecting here uh i just don't think they're anything like a tank it take it to the bank team this year i think again it could go either way there's some weird dynamics here with the quarterback situation um, I agree with you. They probably won't be bit as hard by the injury bug, but I have said that about the Eagles in the past. And sure enough, that has not been the case. So not always like a great assumption to make. But uh, yeah, they're they're in a weird spot for me.
0: You have them as the fifth best team in the NFC right now. You still feel comfortable about that?
1: So kind of like in this tier, obviously, you know, there's there's power rankings, but, you know, it's not like the gap from, you know, like, let's say five to six is always the same as the gap from 13 to 14. Like there's there's really tiers in here. Um, And the 49ers are kind of in this tier of like a bunch of teams. Like, let's say that I have them around like Washington football team and the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Vikings and Uh, to a lesser extent, maybe the Cardinals or Patriots, like those are all the same kind of tier to me. These teams that I think kind of can go either way. There's some reason for hope. I don't think they're like truly contending. I don't think they're in that top tier of teams, Um, but I have them in that group for now.
0: Let's get to the NFC East teams because you have Washington at number 12. You have Dallas right behind them at number 13. And you have your Eagles, who you told me last week, there's all these positive vibes around. At yeah. 24. And by the way, the Giants are where where are the, oh, they're here, 28. 28. So, what separated the Cowboys and Washington in your mind? Because they're very close together.
1: Well, I've been consistently saying on the NFC East Mixtape Podcast, weekly obligatory podcast reference, uh, <laughs> that I think Washington should still be considered the favorites. I know there hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since. Uh, 2004 because I've said that like a billion times (laughs) over the past whatever years Um, but I just think Washington I know that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't great and I think some people are like oh Ryan Fitzpatrick is being overrated I really don't think he is I think it's a big deal that you're going from Dwayne Haskins Kyle Allen the corpse of Alex Smith and Taylor (laughs) Henneke to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's a big upgrade. It's not an upgrade in the sense that like Ryan Fitzpatrick is anything close to an amazing or an elite quarterback. No, but like I just think that you're gonna get some good games out of him, which is more than you what you got out of basically any of those guys last year, yeah. which is an upgrade. And even Ryan Fitzpatrick's worst games, I think having that defense that they do, like they're gonna bail him out a little bit. Exactly. And there's gonna be so I think that's a, that's a formula to work with. I think Antonio Gibson can kind of take a step forward in the running game. Uh, I think that defensive line is going to cause a lot of issues. I think Ron Rivera has a claim to being the best head coach in the division. So I don't think Washington is contending because Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. And that's ultimately not going to get you to a Super Bowl win. But I think they have a claim to being the best team in the East, especially because the Cowboys don't have the best
0: vibes to me. Stats. I agree on like everything that you said about Washington. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick can throw some interceptions. Totally. But the strength of that team bails him out. It works against his weakness because their defense is going to be good enough to either stop teams from scoring any points after those turnovers or limiting some of those to field goals instead of touchdowns. And we've seen Fitzpatrick in the fourth quarter. If it's close, he can get it done. And I actually like the offense they have around him. They've got weapons there in Washington. I agree with you. Whereas the Cowboys... If Dak, even if Dak is otherworldly, like he was before he got hurt last year, it's not like they were winning every single week. And I feel like he's going to have to play at such a high level every single week or they're not going to win because their defense, I think, stinks. I think Dan Quinn stinks. If he even gets that defense to average, I would be surprised. So I agree. I put Washington over Dallas and I feel pretty comfortable about it.
1: I mean obviously stats I'm going to be pretty biased here because obviously I don't like the Cowboys. But I mean everything I say I I truly do believe. It's not just a bit, although if it was I wouldn't admit it. So who knows. <laughs> but uh the Cowboys seriously though like I just think Mike McCarthy buffoon. That's the word you associate yep. with him, right? Like you've had that discussion before with RJ. Um I think the Dak thing like he's gonna play this week, and he—I don't know if he'll miss any time this season. But like to me, I'm wondering: Does that shoulder issue pop up down the road? Does it cost him to miss playing time? Does it impact him in terms of his performance? Like he can play through it, but he's not quite looking as great as the Cowboys need him to be. As you're talking about, he re- might really need to carry that team with his arm. Can like his arm handle that workload with this shoulder injury they've had to deal with? I have a question about that. Uh, there are the issues on defense. I I just don't think this this team stats and the way i phrase this to rj is like do you think honestly the way this like season has started with Dak missing time and mike mccarthy being a joke and everything like do you think this is the season the cowboys like win the super bowl is this how the story of like it just doesn't feel like that's like that's how this is playing out now obviously i'm going to jinx it here because i did this last year with the buccaneers and then they won the super bowl so (laughs) uh, i'm probably just going to eat my words on this but i am very much in lockstep with pete sweeney when I say that I expect the Cowboys to lose and start the season 0 and 1 against the Bucs this week. And I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I predict Tampa's is going to win that game as well. Uh, let's get to your Eagles now because you've got them a little bit lower. They're 24, like I said, but they have good vibes coming out of training camp. Apparently good vibes like what you're like the seventh worst team in the league. That's what good vibes get you. Well, it's all relative.
1: I think a lot of people, you know, we're talking about the Eagles as like one of the very, very worst teams in the league. And again, this is all about like a ceiling versus floor thing. I think the floor for the Eagles has to be like pretty low after going for 11 and one last year after having or not after having but going into the season with a quarterback who could conceivably be one of the bottom starters in the league like you're not confident that he's going to be, you know, a top 10 guy at all. There's no reason to believe that for without a shadow of a doubt. So I think there's serious downside potential here. And I think the upside is only limited. I think you're looking at like, I think this team, this Eagles team tops out at like nine and eight at best. I have them going eight and nine, which is, you know, not terrible. I think again, relative to expectations. I think earlier in the off season, I was thinking, a lot of people were thinking like, this is like, this could be a team that's in play potentially for the number one overall pick. I don't. I don't think that anymore. I think they have enough talent that they can avoid that. I just don't think the ceiling is super high. And they're another hard team to make to know what to make of stats because like we don't know what Jalen Hurts is as a starting quarterback. Right. Nick Sirianni has never called plays in the regular season before as a full time play caller. Like, there's a lot of stuff to prove here. And we can talk about how the Eagles are good in the trenches, and that's nice. But they still have question marks elsewhere. Like receiver, they have some potential. There's a lot of young players with potential, but potential doesn't always deliver. And uh, you go into the season, and a lot of people, just to kind of put this in perspective stats, were feeling good about the Eagles, including myself, like heading into the season last year. And that went south pretty quickly (laughs) after the Eagles blew a big lead in week one. So these things are fickle. They can change fast. I think right now things seem to be trending positive. But, like, let's say the Eagles go into Atlanta. And they they lose. Well, all of a sudden, things are going to be
0: feeling a lot lot worse. I will say, I agree that I have really no idea how good the Eagles are going to be. But you know what they are going to be? They're going to be interesting, and I feel like they're going to be interesting every single week. First of all, I think that they could they could win any of the division games. Like I don't think it would be a major sure. update for them to be anybody in their division in any given game. We we don't know what Jalen Hurts could be. We don't know what Devonte Smith is. We don't really know, like, is Jalen Rager any good? Maybe he is, maybe he is You don't think, he? all right, that that question is answered for you. But, like, there's so much that we have to find out about the Eagles. I think they're going to be interesting all year long.
1: Yeah, I think that is one thing, at the very least, Eagles fans can look forward to this year is that the team will be more watchable. More yes. entertaining than they were last year, which, again, that's a very low bar to clear, just to be quite clear, because, again, 4-11-1, uh, Doug Peterson was clearly just like at the end of his rope, he was burned out from all the BS he's had to deal with behind the scenes and everything and being cut down at the knees. Uh, Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in the league uh, that was terrible to watch, not only in terms of like, you know, statistically, but aesthetically, too. It was just it was terrible. It was miserable. So at the very least, I think and that's why I think this season is kind of fun in a way, stats, because there aren't expectations. And a lot of Eagle seasons, and a lot of seasons for other teams, um, there's an expectation like this could be the Super Bowl this year. We, we have a chance. And the fact that like most people really aren't thinking that. Uh, kind of add some it's like okay well we don't have to win the Super Bowl if if we make the playoffs that would be great mm-hmm. and if we win a game hey great and if we don't then really that's not the end of the world because we're kind of still building this thing maybe we can get there next year
0: all right let's take a break uh, and when we come back we'll name we'll throw out some awards we'll do coach of the year rookie of the year and uh, MVP as well
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner
0: check Back here on the Off Day Debrief. All right, BLG, let's hand out some awards. The season starts in just days. It feels so good to say that. We're going to do Coach of the Year, MVP, and Rookies of the Year. I will give you the honors. You are on the tee. Where are you going first? I have a
1: couple of awards to give out. First, Best Podcast Award goes to the Oddcast, uh on the SB Nation show. We won that. Uh, so congratulations to us. Um, but as for the actual real awards stats, uh, MVP. So didn't talk about this team a lot in my power rankings in that section, but I had them number five. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I am very high on this team. And if you're not, hello to you. Welcome to me being high on the Los Angeles Chargers, who are quarterbacked by the
0: 2021 NFL MVP, Justin Herbert. We completely agree. That is exactly who I have picked <laughs> for the 2021 MVP everything is lining up for him to be able to win the award number one we've seen multiple guys in recent history win the mvp award in their second year he threw the hes coming off a season where he threw more touchdown passes than any rookie has ever thrown in the history of the nfl the chargers have a good roster around him he's got a competent head coach we think for the first time ever and he's got a good narrative because if they can somehow find a way to beat the Chiefs in the West and win that division, to me, like, he's a lock. Because everyone's going to be like, he's the number one reason why. And they took down the Big Bad Wolf and Patrick Mahomes. I agree. It's
1: Herbert. I think things are different this time, stats. I know people have been tricked by the Chargers before, but I really feel like this is this is the time. It's different this year. It le- like it legitimately is. You can like say, "Oh, I've heard that before," but it but it actually is. Like Justin Herbert is going into year two; he's the real deal. We've seen quarterbacks stats make these big leaps in year two. Yep. I saw it firsthand with Carson Wentz. We saw it with Jamar, Lamar Jackson in twenty nineteen. Like quarterbacks are capable of making this big jump from year one to year two, and I think. Okay, let's look at the things that might have held back, not only the Chargers, but Justin Herbert specifically last year. Okay, I think you have better coaching, like you mentioned. Brandon Staley, I think, is a massive upgrade on Anthony Lynn. I know he's a defensive guy, but I think he has good philosophies. And I was reading on him because he was an Eagles head coaching candidate, or at least he was for a little bit because the Eagles wanted to interview him. And I also saw he does have some offensive background as well, and I think he obviously understands that importance of of the, or the importance of that side of the ball coming from a team where Sean McVay, you know, was running everything mm-hmm. uh, and obviously yeah. having that influence and being around that as well. So I think that's a positive indicator. I think the fact that uh, the chargers upgraded their offensive line, I think you could argue, argue the chargers had one of the best off seasons in the NFL. You got Ray Sean Slater in there. Um, they have, they had the guy from the the Steelers, Matt Feeler. Uh, or I believe that's his name. I could never pronounce it right. But anyway, he's a really good guard. Just <laughs> trust me on that. Uh, very legit explanation. And then I just think, uh, yeah, so I think you have all those things going for them. And the offensive line is a big thing too, because Justin Herbert's stats was faced the second most dropbacks last year, according to PFF, under pressure. Like now you're giving him time to throw. And like, let's see how he looks with that. I feel like, you know, it can only be even better. I think like even Pete Sweeney, Stats, who is the staunchest Chan- Kansas City Chiefs supporter, has like recognized that Justin Herbert is a threat. He doesn't have the Chargers winning the AFC West. Of course, he doesn't. But he acknowledges, for, for, and for even Pete to do that, that means like Justin Herbert must be pretty good He's getting <laughs> Pete to do that. So, so I, I said this before. I said it on an episode, I believe, of Monday Football Monday with Pete during the offseason where I was filling in for RJ, who was slacking. And I said, look, Pete, like, the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. It's their time. We talked about the Chiefs earlier and why they might take a step back. And I think it could be really close. They could even have like the same record. But maybe there's like just that one little tiebreaker that the Chargers get over the Chiefs. And I don't know about their playoff success. Well, that's a whole different story. But I think in the regular season, this is the season of the Bolts.
0: Right. You mentioned the offseason. Just the fact that it seems like they get it, right? Everything they did was to help Justin Herbert. That just shows that like for once they have an organization that seems to have their heads on straight. And I heard D. Ford say something yesterday that really caught my eye. He said, with rookies, it's not about what they can do. It's about how quickly they adjust to things they've never seen before. And obviously, Justin Herbert did an amazing job of that last year, as you just pointed out, and under pressure as much as he was. Well, now he's seen all this stuff before, right? It's not new to him. So now it's not about his adjustments. It is about what he can do. He's got a better team around him. I agree. I, I think that Herbert is the MVP, and I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. And then one last small thing that I forgot to bring up is that like he has a full off
1: season this year to prepare yeah. as the starter. He didn't have that last year. He wasn't he obviously he wasn't thrown into the starting role until last minute. And who knows if he how how long it would have taken him to start if Tyrod Taylor and all that didn't happen with his his lung getting punctured and everything. <laughs> a crazy thing to just say and like gloss over, but did happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly think that's a big deal. Like having a full off season and non pandemic. Well, at least non-full pandemic, like it was last year, uh, an offseason, um, and some preseason reps to work with and everything. Like all of that, I think, can only help him.
0: All right. Where are you going for coach of the year?
1: I have Matt Nagy as the first head coach, what? one of them to be fired. Oh, okay. As one to be fired, so he would not be here. I just wanted to throw you off a little bit, stats. Uh, that's actually Zach Taylor. Yeah. Zach Taylor <laughs> is the guy we 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 put number one. Um I have. I'm sticking with the Chargers. It's kind of boring. And maybe you're doing it as well, which in in that event is really boring. But uh, Coach of the Year, Brandon Staley. I think when we're talking about narrative, which absolutely matters with these awards, it's not just about what they accomplish. I mean, like everyone loved Brandon Staley last year. Like, wow, look at the Rams defense. It's so good. And, And for good reason, like Wade Phillips retires and the defense gets better. Or they they got rid of Wade Phillips, not even retired. They got rid of Wade Phillips, and the defense got better. There's a lot of intrigue around Brandon Staley. He could be like defensive McVay, Uh, and and in that sense, he's going to get that. And obviously, I think the like, I I I kind of joke about this, but kind of not. And that I think the NFL really is pushing LA football to be successful, and they really want to push it. And I feel like that was the case when the Rams were there early on and McVay and all those players did get those awards. And I think uh, Staley is going to get this one. I think he's a good head coach and I think he's deserving, but I think the narrative is working in his factor too. I think taking the Chargers from a disappointing team last year to a team that has an MVP on it and is going to win. Again, you set it up so well, Stats. like If the Chargers, I know it's not an easy thing to do, but if they can win the FC West, it's like a lock. It has to be
0: yeah the narrative there is is really really in their favor i actually didn't go to them for coach of the year which i agree like if your quarterback wins the mvp that generally means good things for your coach but i actually think it's going to go to sean mcdermott and the reason Mm -hmm. i say that is who dislikes the bills right everybody likes the bills they didn't have they had that long playoff drought and they finally made the playoffs now they got their quarterback and everybody I don't want to say everybody. A lot of people still remember the fact that they went to four straight Super Bowls and didn't win. Everybody loves Bill's Mafia. They're lighting tables on fire. They're going through. People are glad, just happy to see a team that isn't the Patriots winning the AFC East. I think that the Bills are going to be really, really good this year. And I think that McDermott is finally, you know, starting to get the recognition he deserves. He never gets mentioned with the young like coaches, with it's always like Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur, Sean McDermott should be right up there with any of those guys. I think lat you know, they say when you go to the Pro Bowl, first you have to have a good year, and then you have to have another good year, and then you finally get recognized. I kind of think it's the same thing with coach of the year. I'm going to say McDermott in 2021.
1: I was going to ask you about that and kind of bring up the Pro Bowl thing. So I think it's a little different though with Coach of the Year, and I think that's kind of working against him because he he kind of arguably could have won this award in 2019 when he took him from six and ten to ten and six, and then even last year another leap forward from ten and six to thirteen and three. Like, what is the Bills' season? Like, what does their season look like where he wins this award?
0: Uh, well, I think they have to win a division first of all, obviously, but I mean it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the AFC West, like how, if they reach their ceiling, if they get the number one seed in the AFC, it's, it's weird how like so much of this season pivots around the chiefs. Right. But if they knock the chiefs mm. off the pedestal and get the number one seed in the AFC, people are going to be like McDermott's the man.
1: Don't let beat Sweeney hear a clip of what you just said, because I feel like he's just going to bring that up every week. Uh, I mean, he basically that's, that's his operating philosophy anyway, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think it's gonna be tougher for him. I think there's, I think it's a uh, a new man's award if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like Obviously, you know, um, uh, the Browns winning it last year. I, I just think it's always gonna be. Why can't I think of the, the Browns head coach's name? Kevin I just Stefanski. said the Browns last year. Yes, Kevin Kevin Stefanski. Bad job by me. Uh, son of former Philadelphia seventy six T M uh, Ed Stefanski. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be tougher with him. I think some of the newcomers, including Brandon Staley, honestly stats. Hey, going to sound really homery here. I think Nick Sirianni has a chance to win it just because, again, if you're talking about narrative and expectations being so low, and he was being this 4 11 and 1 team last year, and also the whole kind of first perception of Nick Sirianni was out there because of that press conference he had, and everyone thought like he's going to be a disaster because he didn't have the best press conference. And if like, That's because that that's real. Like people like still reference that, which I think is dumb because it just doesn't matter. But that's like in people's minds. And if he has a season that you know, I'm not expecting the Eagles again to do great things. But let's say the Eagles do win 10 or 11 games. I mean, he could be in the mix there too, just because expectations were so low. And going from that big jump from four wins last year to 10 or 11 this year, like that, and it's it's feasible because the division is you know not obviously not. totally locked in for anyone else so I would throw his hat in the ring as well I'm not going to say it's my likely outcome but I will mention him
0: uh just for people that don't know a first year head coach has made the playoffs four years in a row at least one has made the playoffs four years in a row there's actually been seven in that time span so it's not out of one of these guys one of their seven new head coaches this year Urban Meyer Brandon Staley Nick Sirianni Arthur Smith Dan Campbell Robert Sala and David Culley History says, at least in the last four years, one of those coaches is going to the playoffs this year. All right. Who is your offensive rookie of the year?
1: Devontae Smith. I mean, did you really even have to ask me, Stats. You knew what I was going to say there. Uh, I think it is going to be tough for him, in all honesty, just because you have the Justin Fields hype machine, which is just insanely out of control. And it's like <laughs> Justin Fields completes a five yard out and it's like the best pass in NFL history. And this is amazing. And how could the Bears ever possibly start Andy Dalton ahead of him? Which, I again, I get is silly, but still, it's just like, well, maybe he's not like the best player ever and isn't fully ready. Um, so I think the narrative works in favor of of the quarterbacks and just in part because there's so many of them like Mac Jones could take it home conceivably. He might, I think he could very well be the best rookie quarterback this year from this class. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to get it just because of the situation down there. I think it's going to be tough for Zach Wilson too, just because of the team around him. Um, But so maybe Devontae Smith does have a chance in that regard. I I do think Devontae Smith is going to be a target monster in the Eagles offense. I think he is a rookie who is, unlike some other players, take time to adjust to the league. I think he's plug-and-play, and and he's ready to come in, make a big difference. I think he's going to set the Eagles' rookie receiving uh, record, which is previously held by Deshaun Jackson. I think he's going to go over 1,000 yards, especially with there being a 17th game. So I feel really good about Devontae Smith. It would be against type for me to not take him, so I have to take him.
0: First of all, I want to say that it very well could be one of the offensive linemen that were taken and they have zero shot to win. Quentin Nelson was an all pro his rookie season and somehow didn't win offensive rookie of the year, which makes no sense whatsoever. So I say that fully wanting to give credit to guys in the trenches. But that said, I think it's going to be Justin Fields. I really do. We talk Mm -hmm. about narrative like. There's narrative on his side, right? He was always second fiddle to Trevor Lawrence. Even coming out of high school, he was always the number two recruit in the country behind Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to start right away. Justin Fields is not going to start right away. There is like that narrative is working in his favor. We all saw him in the preseason. There was a ton of hype around him. Andy Dalton is not going to last very long as the starter in Chicago. I think, honestly, like, Like we've seen, I think Justin Fields could literally become the starting quarterback at halftime of week one. And I think once he gets in there, he's going to play well. Not great. You know, he's not going to be fantastic every game, but I think he's going to have another thing working for him. Really, really spectacular highlight plays. I think his good plays are going to be like, holy crap, he's out on the run, you know, throwing across his body or throwing deep down the field or making a bunch of guys miss on a scramble. He's going to have eye popping plays that blow up social media. I think it's going to be Justin Fields.
1: And in his defense, I think Justin Fields is going to have a hard time just in terms of like the offensive line there. Isn't great. I mean that they had to bring Jason Peters out of retirement, to play left tackle right before the season. Not ideal. Um, the the one thing that concerns, I, I agree with your point about there's going to be like highlight plays. And again, the narrative is so much working in his favor just because of what I saw in that first preseason game where like all the highlights were on my timeline. But yep. he had some really bad lowlights and I didn't even see them mentioned. Like not even obviously you're not going to clip those. The NFL account is not going to clip those and share them for everyone to see. But like I didn't see anyone like tweet that he threw a pick or almost threw a pick. Right. Or almost or had a really bad. like I didn't even see a single whisper about that. So uh, I definitely think that's working in his favor. One thing that I just keep harping on with him is that time to throw stats. He had the slowest time to throw in the entire preseason. He had a 3.5 second time to throw on average. Um, the next closest was 3.4. That's like a significant difference. A point. I know that might not seem like big, just 0.1 of, of a second, but it's big in the NFL. And I think that's just going to cause a lot of fumbles. It's going to cause a lot of sacks. I think that's going to be an issue when he does play
0: that's fair um like you said i agree like there were low lights that people did not seem willing to discuss or even mention uh that was a little strange there but i still think he's gonna win this i thought was a lot trickier defensive rookie of the year for me i I think you could make an argument for anybody but where did you go so
1: obviously i don't want this to happen so you might already know who i'm picking (laughs) but uh i think when we're talking about narrative it's gonna happen because. It's the Cowboys, yeah, and you know Micah Parsons. The hype train is going to get fired up, and everyone be like, "Oh, how many uh, all these people who passed on this guy? He, he fell further than expected." Blah blah blah. Uh, the Cowboys do it again. All this stupid stuff. And there's a there's a precedent for this. Stats. Look at Jalen Smith. Look at Leighton Vanderest. Those guys got so hyped up, and they played well. To their credit, they weren't terrible, but they weren't nearly as good as people were making them out to be. And I think Cowboys fans can even admit that now, or at least they fell off very quickly, because I think both of those players are not like the most beloved now uh, by Cowboys fans. Jalen Smith, I know, has struggled a lot, especially. And obviously, LVE has had neck issues and everything. And that's been part of the reason for a fall off. But like, I just think Cowboys player, that hype is going to be there. And I think Mike, to his credit, I, I do think he's a good player and an interesting player. I think for a linebacker, um, he's going to generate pressure think he might post some decent sack numbers, which people are going to be like, oh, he's a linebacker and he's like leading all linebackers in sacks or whatever, because I think he's that kind of unique player. Um, so I think he's going to get the award, even if he might not necessarily be the most deserving just because of the Cowboys hype machine
0: he has flashed this preseason people know him from hard knocks that's part of it too his name is already like you know on people's radars uh i agree like he looks like he could be a good player there is a degree of glam and glitz that comes from being on the dallas cowboys you know he's gonna flash in prime time too because they're gonna have so many games in prime time he is probably the guy i would lean towards but there is one other potential player that jumped on my radar And that's Patrick Sertan from the Broncos. Patrick Sertan II. People know him because his dad played in the NFL. He's looked really, really good. And BLG, the defense around him, I think Denver's defense is going to be extremely good this year. So if there was one player I think could challenge, even though I agree with you, I think Parsons is going to win it. I would give it to Patrick Sertan just because of those things I mentioned. Yeah,
1: if Sertarian has like, you know, a ton of picks, obviously he'll get it. Like it, it comes down to ball production for him. I, I think it can't be just like, wow, he's shutting guys down. Yeah. Like, but you're not really like seeing like pass breakups or interceptions. Like you need that flash, I think, to kind of win that award. And maybe that kind of works against him in Denver because there are other players who can make plays like that. Although I do think like if he's looking if he is posting some of those numbers and that defense as a whole is good, well, then that's gonna like hold a lot of water. Cause it's not just like, oh, this is a player succeeding on a bad defense. Like this is a player like thriving and he's helping make that really defense good. So I, I did consider Patrick Sertan too, even though Dacey Horn was drafted before, I think it's going to be harder for Horn, even though I, I think there are things to like about him as a player, but like you're in Carolina and I just think that's a tougher market to kind of get that, that juice and that hype from. Uh, Yeah. So that's kind of working against him.
0: Yeah, it's also easier for linebackers. I mean, tackles, sacks, they can accumulate stats that people yep. can point to right away and clearly say, look at this guy. He's doing a great job. All right, so those are our picks. The first power rankings of this season are done. Um, before we go on the way out, let's just make a quick prediction. You're taking the Bucks over the Cowboys, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even a question in my mind, which, you know, RJ can say, oh, I'm going to rub it in so much and talk about Dak Prescott did something that Patrick Mahomes couldn't do. I mean, please stop. I mean, that's just RJ, I feel bad for you. If you're actually going to say that, that is so pathetic to which you have lowered the bar to that you're excited about. Uh, a week one win like how far the cowboys have fallen that you're you're getting excited for that uh so please rj for your own sake don't don't do that it's just not going to be a good look for you stats i'm excited to be back with you here their power rankings and everything i'm excited for a new little end segment of the show that we will have this year that we will get into each week so that'll be coming up next week after the first games that'll be fun and uh yeah man it's great to be back what are you predicting for thursday's game
0: I'm predicting a Buccaneers win, although I don't think they're going to cover. They're favored by eight right now. I see a one oh, score. Man. I know that seems high to me, right?
1: Well, I mean, the Cowboys aren't good. so.
0: <laughs> I think that uh, Tampa Bay will win. I think it'll probably be like a, a touchdown game. I don't think it's going to be more than eight. That seems pretty high to me. Dak and that offense is is good enough to to hang. But ultimately, Brady will get it done. Uh go so I'm I'm kinda like hedging because I'm picking Tambo, but I'm taking the Cowboys in the points. But why why wait to start doing that, right? We're back in the football season. I'm back in mid season four.
1: I will be relentless if the Cowboys get blown out. Like RJ is promising to be <laughs> relentless to Pete, like if the Cowboys win this game. If the Cowboys get blown out, or maybe even if they just lose, but especially if they get blown out, I'm gonna spend at least like a good, I don't know three minutes which doesn't sound like a lot but it is a lot in podcasting time stats I'm just going to just go in on them I'm just going to bury their
0: season from game one so hopefully that happens I can't wait <laughs> I'm here for that me too enjoy the week everybody it's football start getting your stuff done now because on Sunday you got plans we'll talk to you next week